Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest is Chris Meyer. Chris has written screenplays, has been a licensed New York State attorney for over 30 years, and has owned multiple funeral homes for the past 17 years. He's the author of Life and 20 Lessons, which is what a funeral guy's discovered about life from death, and also a novel called The Wood. Four Months in a Lifetime is a touching true story of a father who coached his son's basketball team from kindergarten through eighth grade. And finally, The Book of Moments, which is the book we are here to talk about now. And so we like to stay true to tradition and start off every episode, and this will be no exception, with a dad joke. Now, normally we have the guests tell the joke. I think it's finally time for me to tell one. So I'm going to share some of my two favorite jokes. First one is, do you know why you can only ran through a campsite and not run? It's because it's past tense. Oh, that's good. (laughs) <laughs> that is good i like that one I'll yeah that past one. yeah past tense that's a yeah that's a favorite one and then the second one you know i said to my son no money no honey do you know what his reply was i know money no honey no bunny <laughs> oh okay i got that <laughs> bad. Nice. well chris thank you so much for being on the program i really appreciate you being here I really appreciate the invitation. So thank you for having me already, John. The Book of Moments is a very unusual book. It usually has a journalistic feel to it. At least that's the feel that I got from it. What was your purpose and intention in putting this book together? And how did this connect with your experience as a funeral director? It's kind of a book of prompts, as as you said, one line on each page. And I took it as seminal moments from all of our lives, all of us, meaning as human beings, the things we would go through, whether it be the death of a parent or the first kiss or, and yes, it totally has a journal kind of feel. I always say uh, it's a coffee table book uh, meant to be read by the fire when you're alone and you want to recollect, you know, your own moments from your life. Uh, The book will mean obviously something different to everyone who reads it. And I would say that the genesis of it does come from my life in the funeral home. I've owned a couple of funeral homes for over 17 years now. And what is most important to me is what I've learned is that the moments matter, right? And the moments are the good stuff in life. Absolutely. Those are the really the truly most important things. And I think we all tend probably universally to you know, jump on that habit trail of life and rush through it and try to get a new job or this house or this, that, and the other material thing. And for me, uh, I learned very early on in the funeral home, basically from messages from the people who I was meeting with to, you know, take, take stock and go home and be with your children. They're young. And I, I think that mom, my first son was one year old when I came to the funeral home. And that was the greatest gift that it could have given me because it, people were telling me as my sons were all growing up, just get out of here, go, go to their 
play at school, go to wow. coach everything that they were doing. And I was, I would just listen. <laughs> I thought it was, the, <laughs> it was, it was important stuff. And so I feel like, you know, I got to benefit so tremendously by my vocation that I wanted to share it with everyone else. So the, my first book was exactly that sort of stories that I had learned from the funeral home and I applied it to life. And then this, I, I just, I felt like I hadn't seen something like this and, and I wanted to write something like this. So uh, that was the, you know, sort of the, the push for the book of moments. So you were almost being coached along through your fatherhood journey by your clients and, and some sort of a way of speaking. So um, they were the ones that were giving you those prompts that you needed to really get out and live and to really be a father to your kids. Yeah, I think that's exactly the way it was, Jonathan. I think, you know, I, I came from spending 11 years in Los Angeles where I was uh, trying to be a screenwriter and it was a really tough existence. And I think it was, I was so goal focused, never really sold a, a screenplay. I mean, I got the manager and the agent, but I think, uh, I was almost too focused, you know, and I think, especially in my first, probably three to five years in the funeral home, it, I, I think I experienced sort of a, a diametrical shift in my head because I was seeing death every day and I was seeing what mattered and my, I, I always wanted to be a dad. And so I, it kind of felt like it was a little bit of the push I needed, but it, it wasn't much of a push to be wanting to be with these young boys as I was growing up, you know, just being in their lives. It, it's something that um, it changed me. Um, but yes, the, the funeral home definitely pushed me in that direction. And so it also gave you a little bit of help trying to give trying to have or establish a better work life balance. That's what it sounds like to me. For sure. For sure. And I think that's so huge. Uh, I mean, it sounds like a very topical thing that a lot of people talk about, but I don't know that many people take it to heart. So you're exactly right. I think we have to. And I think that, you know, the, the younger generation, the millennials kind of get that a little bit more. I, I feel that mm -hmm. uh, from that, uh, from the generational thing. Um, my parents, I don't know if yours, you know, uh, were children of immigrants came over and that work ethic was so ingrained into that. Oh yeah. You know, and it's, it was like, you know, I had a grandfather who was my best friend and that guy delivered milk, eggs and pickles up and down the streets of New York city for six days a week, 12 hours a day. And like, you know, and only to have his wife die at like before he, you know, just before he retired, like, and, and, and that probably also has, was sort of a, a very important moment in my life because it showed that, you know, you could do everything, you could prepare for everything. And then you just want to ride out the sunset with your beautiful bride who, you know, you waited for and then sent money over to Germany to bring over here. And, and for what, right? She mm -hmm. ends up passing. And I mean, it, so I, I guess, <laughs> you know, the message maybe is life is cruel and uh, that's why we need to do these things now. You know, don't wait and, uh, 
you know, kind of you, you look at you have to make a living. You and I know both know that very well, but mm-hmm. you have to you have to take time for these small moments because they're the they're what's going to be matter. You know, I believe when you close your eyes, you're going to be surrounded by your family and maybe a few close friends. And so uh, we don't need much. We really don't. And you're going to have the memories. And that's what I'm trying to I'm trying to have those with my sons, but also I'm trying to remind everyone, go, you know, keep it small, keep it simple. That's all you need to do. Mm. Do you think fathers today struggle to spend time with their kids and even struggle to connect with them emotionally? Well, I mean, what do you think is the, is contributing to this challenge? If that yeah, is, I, if there isn't, if there even is that challenge. I think there is a challenge, but I think it's less than the generation before us. I think that the tragedy of 9-11, I feel like was a, a turning point for a lot of people. Oh, and wow. Yes. It told, told us all to, you know, no one is immune and go take, take the time. I think it is, cha- the emotional component is challenging. I think a lot of us my, myself and included. Uh, coaching is a real great way to spend time with your children. I'm a crazy coach. I coach everything and I want to, but it's the emotional component is what you hit upon. And sometimes that's hard because we're in this win-win, you know, and I'm no, I'm no different. I'm trying to win every time I'm out there, but I think those moments of, like I said in one of my books, is driving home, try not to talk about the game. Try to talk about something different or listen to their conversations that they're having with their friends who are in the car and try to establish that connection away from the game. So the emotional component is challenging, especially as they get older, you know, right around seventh, eighth grade, they start to... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they start to have minds of their own and want to do their own thing. And, mm-hmm. and that can be, I don't know, you don't have, you don't have teenagers yet, but that was one of the, the harsh lessons I've learned is spending all this time with, especially my middle son and his friends. And then I have a tween and I can see that already. Yeah. Starting to happen. <laughs> uh, I, you start to become, you know, I, I don't even know this boy at sometimes, you know, when they turn to be that freshman in high school and, and certainly the sophomores, it's more about the phone and the video games. And I, I had such an emotional connection with all my boys uh, at that younger age. Uh, and I was revered. And now I'm sometimes, you know, I'm the enemy. <laughs> so uh, the emotional component is something as they grow, I find challenging, uh, especially at, you know, 14, 15, 16. That's a tough tough area for me or was a tough area for me. I'm going through it with my middle guy. I still got my little guy. Um, so I'm right, right in betwixt in between, but I can see my little guy already mm-hmm. turning Jonathan. So I'm like, <laughs> Oh no, you know, here we go. But yeah, so emotional really is, have to is be tough. almost very deliberate about, about that emotional component because it's not always comfortable and it's not always instinctive for us. So we have to be deliberate about those moments. Like you said, you're in the car and everyone's piling in the car after the game is over and instinctively we want to talk about the game, but sometimes just listening and, and engaging in some of those side conversations. Hugely important. Yeah. Hugely important and hugely deliberate. And I, I, again, I've said a lot, uh, the best time that I find is like tuck in time. 
when um, oh, everyone's a little bit tired, uh, the guards are down, and we can talk a little bit more freely. I think that's the time for a good emotional connection. And I found with all of my boys that that's a time when we can just recap the day in a relaxed setting. We can talk about deeper issues. Um, and I have found those are have been, for me, the most uh, revealing times, the most uh, important times of bonding for me with them because it's just me and them and uh, it's quiet. And it's a relaxed atmosphere. So, uh, yeah, it's important, though. It's important to, to go for those opportunities and, and not be offended if you get shut down because <laughs> it's, it's uh, kids, you know, aren't that emotionally evolved. So sometimes you, they're like, yeah, you know, giving you those one word answers and, you know, keep trying is all I can say. Keep trying. You're definitely right. There's something about that downtime at the end of the day, like right before right before going to bed where those conversations pop up and it's a very good ritual to have. I would encourage any dad, if you haven't already started that ritual to start that ritual with your child and just ask them, you know, simple things, how was your day going? And then go a little bit deeper. Yep. What, did you, what was the most exciting part of your day? What did you, what did you like or enjoy the most about it? Right. And what did you like the least about your day? What were the parts that were not so much fun? Right. I think that's all good. And I think, you know, the, the other important thing, which a lot of us have a hard time with myself included is the ability to listen, right. It is to let them rip it, so to speak, you know, mm -hmm. and yep. let them talk and, and not have to be commenting on everything. And I think that's sometimes difficult as a father, as a businessman. Um, I continuously learn almost each and every day. And I find that closing my mouth and using my ears is really good. <laughs> I think it's, it's let someone else talk or let your sons, you know, just go off and riff on their own and let's hear what they want to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, a real gift is, is listening for sure. So I'm thinking about your book. How can the book of moments be a resource for dads to connect with their families? And even more than that, I want to find a commonality and I think of a vulnerability and I think uh, children respond to that. And so this is for me, uh, a real hard thing is to try to be to try to find that balance right between being that father. You have to be the dad, the disciplinarian, and you have to treat them right from wrong. But also. I think children and people respond to vulnerability. And I think that honesty of that, the, your failures um, really help teach your children a great deal because they can kind of start to see an identifiability of like, hey, dad's been through this. Dad experienced what I'm experiencing. And dad, dad doesn't have all the answers, didn't have them certainly back when he was 16 or 13. And maybe he doesn't have them all now. Like, that's the kind of dad I am. I don't have all the answers. I'm one of those dads that, that shares with his children that, hey, man, I'm kind of making this up as I go too. you know, so bear with me. Mm. I, I don't have it all locked tight. And I think my children appreciate that. 
Um, but I'll let you know in 20 years. <laughs> we'll, we'll hook up again, Jonathan. Um, but that's that's the way I like to parent. Um, and it's hard because the minute you know you feel this identifiability and they understand you, you gotta sometimes crack down and say, "Hey, man, that's not acceptable behavior." And I can see in my son's faces, like, "Wait, who's this guy? You know, who's the disciplinarian uh-huh. dude? We were just hanging out and like, you know, so." It's a challenge. And I think maybe that's the best lesson, right? It's challenging to be a dad. It's not always easy. (laughs) It is. And I think the book, when I read through the questions, the questions really motivate you to be real, to be very real and vulnerable. It's an exercise in emotional vulnerability. And I think that that is one of the greatest contributions that book can offer in your involvement with your family dynamics. It really For sure. makes it easier. It encourages you to be more real with your kids and, and even your spouse with your entire family. Yeah. And that's not always easy, right? Because there's to, to speak the truth, to truly speak the truth, you, like you said, is vulnerable and vulnerable kind of feels weird sometimes, you know, and it does for everyone. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, It's not something everyone likes to talk about, but I believe that it, it will, it will help others show that you're not perfect. Right. And there is no perfection in the world. And I think a lot of times there is, we are all, especially as young people at this day and age, you know, as well as I, Jonathan, what we see on Instagram and and TikTok and it's insanity, the imagery that these children are seeing with perfect lighting and perfect clothing and perfect this and that. And that's not life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I gotta, we, we as parents, if nothing else, look, you're not going to pull them away from it. That, that don't, don't try to do that. Don't try to say no video games. Don't try to say no social media. It, it's not possible. Everyone is doing it again. It doesn't make it right. I get it, but if you could just temper it and say, you know, that that form of entertainment is like the movies. And if you ever saw how a movie was shot, you would laugh because it's it's just so not real. And it's so, you know, put on is what I'm saying. I love that approach of just having that conversation with them about what is real and what isn't. And then then you have this book, which which encourages you to actually model that reality, that vulnerability. and take it a step further and even share that, share those experiences with your kids. And that's real. And I think the other aspect of this book is it is a great resource for a family legacy. I mean, it's, it's almost as if it's a, it's a memoir. It's a memoir <laughs> that you can leave behind for your family. Well, that I, I feel that way a thousand percent. And I think that's why I wrote things. I, I want, you know, people say, oh, is this a lucrative business for you? And I'm like, no, this is not at all. You know, it's a legacy. And I say, I write what I want to write. I want to leave a legacy. I want my children. I think they would will through my books, understand how much they meant to me. And I think that they can glean a part of my personality in each of the books. And to me, that is what excites me. Uh, I'm going to leave a legacy behind 
through these books and they will live in perpetuity. And I like that. There's something, there's an ego part about that, that I like. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, I think the messaging in every one of my books has this undercurrent of family is the most important step off the habit trail, do what you love in life and you don't need much. And I think those are good messages to leave with the next generation. And, uh, that really, really excites me. And I think that's why I keep writing. So, um, yeah, would I love to be discovered and be on the New York Times bestseller left? Yeah, sure, that would be cool, really cool. But it's not what motivates me. I'm, I am motivated to write, to leave um, my children with a little bit of a legacy uh, and understand who I truly am. And maybe their children's children if I'm not around to see that. Um, I think that's cool. And I think you're exactly right. I've always said, put these in a time capsule, put these in a a journal and leave it for your family because they'll know a little bit more about you. Right. And that, that kind of thing is super cool. I think, uh, uncovering, you know, where you came from really, really important to understand who you came from. What was your favorite task or question in the book and why? <laughs> wow, that's that's a big one. Um, you know, I have so many of them. I like memories of people from the past. You know, what the anything that's related to my grandfather, mm. um, the moments that I had with him, uh, you know, a, a true, you know, a great relationship between a a grandfather and a grandson. I think that not many children probably experienced what I experienced. And it was just one of those timeframes where he was around and I was around as I was growing up and my parents, you know, made sure that he was taken care of. So anything related to him, because I think, you know, I think it's really important for children to understand the elderly. And um, I'm not a huge fan of how we take care of the elderly in our country. Um, I know uh, the assisted living communities of the world will not like to hear that, but I, I want my, my parents and my, my in-laws to age in our home with us because I think it teaches the children uh, something called empathy. And I think being an empath and understanding that there but the grace of God go you and you will be in this position in one one moment in your life and you treat people with dignity and respect at all ages, especially as the elderly when they need us. I think that's really, really important. So anything, any prompt that is related to my grandfather, I'm very, very um very, very much endears me, even think, more to him to this day. I think that question is an open door for some very deep conversations to happen from one generation to another, as this book, along with the answers to that question, are passed on. And that's powerful. Because, because it did just that, right? It did, it did for you prompting me let me tell you the story of my grandfather and that empathy, which I think is the key component in all this. And I think 
those are the kind of things, you know, look at those aren't always comfortable conversations. And like we talked about earlier, the vulnerability is, is sometimes tough, but man, your children will learn so much more about you and where they came from by just having these conversations. And look, I, it doesn't have to be all day long. It's a break from their video game or you sitting down and you all chat. What, what a wonderful, wonderful tool, right? I mean, again, that was, that was the impetus for it. So Yeah, and I'll tell you another thing that has me so interested in this book. I had a guest on uh, recently. His name was Chris Bruno. And the episode was about knowing who you are which is the top two things that make a man who he is and make a father who he is, is number one, knowing who you are, and number two, knowing your purpose. And so I've talked a lot in previous episodes about the spiritual implications of knowing who you are, but there's a whole other side to this, which we touched on in Chris Bruno's episode, which is the generational component. And I'm so fascinated by this book because it is such a great, useful tool for going back and establishing that generational aspect of knowing who you are. Yeah. And when do you think you know who you are, Jonathan? That's the other thing that I find, because I think, you know, as an 18 year old young man, I certainly didn't know as a 30 year old, I didn't know who I was. Even, you know, I would say for me, it was very, you know, Peter Pan, it was very late in life. And that the, the turning point for me personally was the birth of my son. Right. Mm. And that was like the smack in the face from whomever it was, the, is the creator in and said, Hey dude, time to get real. You got one of these. And um, <laughs> that for me was my turning point. And it was really late in life. All of your books are about family. And in those books, you model what it means to invest your time and connect with your family emotionally. On that note, what is your challenge challenge for dads listening as we close? We all think that um, we have to purchase or we have to take trips or we have to go to Disneyland or we have to do this and that. And I would tell everyone who will listen that the best times with your children are on the carpet with them, looking them in the eye and them knowing you're present, playing figurines of any sort or just chatting that is what they truly want they want the eye connection and don't don't try to give them you know anything more than that if you're giving them that on a consistent basis i'm gonna guarantee you your children are gonna your sons your daughters are gonna grow up to be well adjusted and that is the greatest thing So if you are interested in knowing anything about Chris Meyer or anything that he's done, you can find this book by going to thefatherhoodchallenge.com and going to this episode and clicking on the link below this episode description. And while you're there, through that link, you can look and find all of Chris Meyer's other books too. If you would like to learn more about Chris, you can visit his website at chrismeyerauthor.com. That's chrismeyerauthor.com. I will also put the link below the episode description. Chris, thank you so much for being on the program. I really appreciate you having me, Jonathan. Thank you for a great talk. You're really good at what you do. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.